Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast and Radio Show. Coming to you on this Sunday here, post another awful advanced Metcon workout session here with some of our advanced peeps. And uh, admittedly, had a busy weekend myself here, and that's where this podcast is coming from. And I feel like I probably talked about all these things in a roundabout way in a handful of sporadic uh, episodes, but I thought I'd kind of put it all into one here. Uh, to package it and give you guys something uh, you can take and chew on. So what we'll dig into today is uh, just eating for busy professionals uh, who travel and work and you know just live a, a normal you know, kind of American lifestyle, which now is inundated with so much email and phone calls and your kids have practices and all the stuff that we you know kind of get caught up in the rat race of doing. This is ways to kind of success hack uh, your way to being you know as healthy and happy as possible. Uh, but my weekend, uh, you know, started off like most, a busy Friday for sure. And then Saturday, we had a, a group we went to Honor Health here, which is one of the, the hospitals, and work with uh, some of the bariatric patients. And uh, the reason I share that is it was a group of about, what was it, maybe 10 or 12 of them total. Uh, it was myself and uh, my coach Jacob here came with us. Monica ran the stuff uh, at our facility. And uh it was a reminder of like how lucky we are, uh, obviously, to be fit and to be healthy and be able to do the things we do. And I'm not saying your goals aren't important when they're very you know minute and you're drilling down to the last details. Like you're somebody who's already fit and healthy, but you want to get your dress size or pants size from X to Y. You want to get your body fat from point A to B. I get all that stuff and it matters. But when you really work with people who are regressed, and are coming back from you know surgeries, uh, you know disease, injury, illness. Um, it should serve as like a major wake up call to you, as it did to me this weekend as we we're there. Um, and it's just if if I could show the world, I, I, we could have filmed it. I guess I didn't want to intrude on you know their privacy, and um, I wasn't going to have them all sign waivers to be on camera. But every time someone messages me and says, well, Jeremy, I, I wish I could do what you do. I wish I lived your life. You're a legend. It looks so awesome and all these things. Um, those are the moments where I'm like, well, I wish you guys could see all of the stuff that, that we do behind the scenes that actually, A, makes the machine go, but how, how we do give back and work with these people because that's not a glamorous thing. Uh, literally, we set up a circuit for these guys. 40 seconds was the work. 20 seconds, we would rest for five movements, and the movements are very, very basic. I'm talking... Spider-Man Steps, which is a mobility drill. Seal Jacks, which is a super... And again, we had to regress the Seal Jacks for everybody. Uh, we're talking Inchworms, which is another mobility drill. Uh, went Skater Hops, which again, just a basic lateral movement. And then we do like a mobility burpee, which it's not nearly as awful as a burpee. It literally is a mechanical way of walking from standing position to prone position, which is push-up position, then back up to standing position just to open up the hips. And even with that, we had to regress every single pattern and we had to stop the timer after every single round to see if everybody was okay and they could do another round so um that's not the sexy stuff that doesn't make instagram it doesn't make youtube uh, like right now if you're watching us but that is a huge part of, of what we do and that was the reason i shared it, is just a reminder of how a how lucky we are so if you're listening to me right now and you're pissed because you're your body fat is three percent too high or your pants don't fit or you had a shitty weekend of eating or drinking the situation you could be in is a lot worse. And you're pretty fucking lucky to be sitting where you're sitting today. And the other thing it reminded me of is, it, as good as we can get as coaches, if you're a fitness professional like myself, you are not good enough to coach 10, 11, 12, 13 people like that by yourself. You just can't. Um, it's There's too many moving pieces and there's too many things you have to be careful of uh, when working with humans. And that's something that I, I don't take lightly. And that's why I brought... Uh, uh, Jacob with me, and I didn't know what we were walking into, hence uh, why I brought him along, but uh, it, it really lets us know how, how amazing our people here are, even the ones who maybe aren't quote-unquote super fit. Um, they're really lucky when you look at the scope of the world. And then uh, after that event, I had to go speak to a group of uh, very high-level entrepreneurs that actually are from uh, Canada, kind of like the BC area. Spoke with them for about three straight hours uh, on everything, you know, nutrition, training, macros, lifestyle. Uh, very humbled that they brought me in to speak to their group. It's like a, you know, like a super high level millionaire kind of mastermind group. They escaped to uh, Scottsdale to stay warm and uh, beat the kind of freezing weather up there. And so very humbled uh, to be able to talk to them. And uh, short of that, went over to uh, 
uh, baby shower, which now they're doing like the, the guy girl baby showers, right? That's the second one I've had in two weeks. Uh, not my not the most fun thing in the world, but when they do it like you know uh, the husband and the wife together, it's more like just a party where people drink and hang out. So, uh, and this was one of my very best friends. His name is Dave Drees. Dave actually worked with me uh, in Jeremy Scott Fitness for many years. And then uh, him and I have done some some projects on the side, 10 Weeks to Rip, we did together. Um, we've done a lot of things with uh, like Teen Nation. We've done a lot of uh, kind of the modeling, fitness modeling side of things. He's been on magazine covers as well. He's not in fitness anymore. He actually left um, for me and then went and started another gym with uh, one of our buddies. And uh, now he's uh, in the corporate world, uh, ready to have a kid and live his life. So that was kind of my Saturday. And then my wife drove me to the most amazing pizza place here. That I, It's probably my favorite pizza place now that I'm thinking about it, uh, as the food is probably still digesting in me. Uh, it's called 40301. It's in Phoenix, uh, kind of like on Central and like I think like 7th Street over there. Uh, it's amazing. Straight, legit Italian. I've been to Italy, um, Amalfi Coast, Sorrento, Rome, you name it. Uh, this, is, this is the same thing. Uh, the menu is very basic, about five red pies, maybe five white pies. Uh, they have beer and wine. And uh, well, they got a couple of pasta dishes, and we did have meatballs, uh, wood fired, and they had like, their wood fired uh, cauliflower and like a bolognese sauce. Amazing! Just like I haven't ate pizza since August, uh, which is a criminal thing to say. I'm embarrassed to even admit that. But um, I have a problem with pizza. I, I love it if it's good. If it's not good pizza, I mean, all pizza is good, right? Uh, but I'm very picky at this point because I have been to. Uh, to Italy and have tasted what I consider the best of the best is, and also because I overeat on it, and then I tend to feel like a bag of shit, but I did pretty good yesterday, and I tend to find the more simpler pizzas, like the thin crust, basic, just dough, cheese, sauce, and maybe some meat is uh, is the way to go, but uh, enjoyed that, and uh, that was my day, and uh, the point of me sharing that is, is, again, I'm a normal human just like you guys. I try to squeeze in uh, everything the best I can. My wife and I, just like you, have to plan you know, date nights and things, but in a roundabout way, this reminded me to share this with all of you because with as busy as we get, it becomes hard to eat well and you know get enough sleep and, and not stress and actually train the way you should train. And that was the big part of my talk with these guys was eating for busy professionals and how to really you know, wrap your head and your mind and your heart around, you know, being healthy for the next, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, however long we're gonna be alive. And this time of year, my speaking engagements and events start to really ramp up. And so that was probably one of the first big ones. And I have another one coming up here in about two weeks at the W uh, doing the same thing. And so I wanted to share with all of you guys because I think it's information that, A, a lot of it you might know, but you might hear me say one or two things that, oh, shit, I didn't think of that. And then you start to apply it to your own life, especially if, if you have you know, social events, happy hours, work events, you travel, you're stuck in hotels or you're at, you know, corporate dinners or you have to, you know, schmooze and kind of bullshit clients to to sign deals. These would be the tips I would give you to kind of navigate a lot of those situations. And again, all common sense stuff, but, you know, easy in theory, but, but tougher in application, right? And again, side note, before I start ripping off here, uh, if you guys notice, a little bit different background here in our office. I'm going to try to put together almost like a makeshift uh, kind of set here in the office. So I spent the last day and a half like cleaning out our entire office, reorganizing it, which is shit that I really hate to do, but I'm actually pretty good at it, I think. Um, but we're going to put a lot of nostalgic stuff up here. You guys can kind of see uh, some of the stuff I have going on on YouTube. And we're going to add in all the, my favorite things and kind of make it... Uh, you know, almost like a little podcast set. And BJ Gadur gave me a really great idea. I spoke with him on Tuesday night for, was it Tuesday night? I think it was Tuesday night, yeah, for probably about two straight hours. And uh, dude always has so many great ideas. He, he really is uh, like a savant, man. He, dude's a genius. Um, and like most geniuses, he's literally fucking crazy, as you guys can see as you follow him. But he's the best at what he does. And uh, there's not many people that I talk to that frequently he is one of them and uh, always we can share kind of best practices and he gave me some really great tips uh, for the podcast moving forward so this is also probably the last time you'll see it filmed like this we'll start doing like a two camera setup for the podcast so um, we'll chop that splice that we'll throw some of those things on uh, IG uh, TV and Instagram and Facebook and everywhere else just for uh, distribution and just try to really 
up the quality uh, of the podcast as well and give you guys everything you want to you know hear and see so if again if there's things you want to request hit me up but uh just know that was all kind of birthed from bj so um if this thing keeps rolling the way it's rolling i'll give him uh, all the credit so anyways we are talking about eating for busy professionals um first of all it's work it is not easy to do and uh, it's the one area of life that we are audacious enough to think that we can just master it and crush it without actually, you know, doing any, you know, prepping and planning and being mindful of what's going on. And it's one of the hardest things uh, you can do in life is really master your eating and control your flesh. And so the first thing I would say is you have to plan, prepare, and maybe even prep uh, some food, uh, whether it be if you work from home. If you go to an office or if you travel for work and you're in airports, in and out. What I tend to tell people is pack as much legit stuff as you really can. Um, If you want to do like one or two meals of real food, that's cool. I don't do that because I just, it's not how I roll. Uh, I will take, because I come from the fasting world, I I can fast for a day and it doesn't really bother me as long as I have everything set up, uh, you know, to play in my favor. And I don't really crack under the pressure of stuff. And so... What I would say is, if especially if you're going to take a flight, eat before you get to the airport. Get your ass up 30 minutes early and have a good, decent, healthy meal. That will help you. Um, if you want to pack some real food, it's fine. What I would say is, pack the basics that you know are going to save you from making horrible choices. Whether that be beef jerky, uh, if it's like Power Crunch bars, or if you guys are into uh, the whole f- any kind of bar you think is healthy. I, I think Power Crunch is probably. A good route to go. The RX bars are cool if they fit your macros. Um, like there's a the Epic bars, which are basically just uh, kind of like a beef jerky stick. Those are good uh, to take in a pinch. I do think like the Justin's almond butter or peanut butter packets are nice just to have because obviously you know the serving size. You can squeeze them, stick them in your mouth. You're good. Chia bars are ideal. Um, I do like mixed nuts, but I have no self control. So like the sleeves. Of like the mixed nuts, like the wasabi flavored ones. I think like Blue Diamond makes those. That that's a safer bet for me because I'm an overeater and I can crush like you know ten packs of nuts in two seconds. But I do think starting the day again, if you're gonna fast, then fast. But if you're not a fasting person, eating before you get on a flight is gonna be key. And then obviously taking with you your same supplements like Athletic Greens for sure um, for sleep quality. If you travel with like you know like your Beam CBD, uh, chia seeds is huge. And then any other normal supplements you take. I know it's kind of tough now with the powders and stuff because uh, TSA thinks you're smuggling you know cocaine across the border when it's really just creatine. But I get it. And that's why I say the Athletic Greens is ideal to take the little individual you know packs with. You don't have to take a whole bag. You don't got to worry about a bunch of powders and shit. Literally just the individual packs. And again, if you're watching me on YouTube, the cool thing now is like Beam has like the the Clarity and the Sleep uh, CBD products. And again, if you guys are watching me, they're the same little individual packets just like Athletic Greens has. And again, if you guys want to code for any of that stuff, hit me up. I'm happy to shoot you a link for 20 free travel packs of Athletic Greens or always 20% off the Beam CBD stuff for sleep. I think that is uh, key. If nothing else, take Athletic Greens with you. Jeez, because you're not going to eat enough veggies when you travel. You just won't. You're going to drink less water. You're going to be less active. You're going to be constipated. This will help you kind of cover the gaps and hopefully help you uh, obviously not get sick as well. So again, prepping and planning what you need to, I think is ideal. And then obviously just at home, having like, you know, one go-to meal, having like, you know, one or to maybe like, you know, savor meals or, or go-to foods to, to help you not reach in and grab your kids' goldfish and Teddy Grahams uh, and just pack a bunch of shit in your mouth, I think would be super helpful. The second thing, obviously, if you go to a restaurant, just research it. Look at the menu before you go. You have a smartphone. Don't be stupid. Use a smartphone. We're dumb without our phones. With with my, honestly, here's what I'm going to say. With my iPhone and you guys don't have a phone, I'm smarter than all of you guys. With my iPhone and you don't have a phone, I am smarter than you because I can ask anything in five seconds and get the answer. Same goes for me. If you got a phone and you're Googling like all the stuff about fitness, nutrition, health, and I don't have a phone, you're way smarter than me. You have every answer in the world in your fingertips. So use it. Don't You're not just looking at Instagram and social and just scrolling ESPN or whatever health sites you guys visit. Literally use the phone. Google the restaurant before you go there. See what is the best choice you can make. Just have some kind of game plan before you show up. That is huge. You can get a real good picture of what dinner's gonna look like so then you can eat the meals before or after according to that. Or if you have the pick of the restaurant, Google a couple places and see what has like a legit, 
you know, kind of sexy choice. That is something you want to eat, but also kind of fits your goals and what you want to do. The third thing, be a pain, man. Ask for substitutions. You can always ask for grilled and steamed options when you go places. I remember I've shared the story all the time. I was in Chicago at O'Hare. I was kind of trapped there uh, in this one section of the terminal. I don't even, when was this? Probably like four years ago. And uh, all they had was a, a Carabas, which is, I believe is Italian, I think. I've never ate at one like how a normal person does. But I remember I sat there and I'm like, hey, can I just get uh, grilled chicken and broccoli or asparagus? Did I get broccoli? I think it was broccoli. I'm like, can I just get grilled chicken and broccoli? Which, is that super sexy? No, it sucks. I'd rather sit and eat all the pasta and probably like a cheeseburger and french fries. But I had to show up for an event where my life, take my shirt off and look the way I do. And I got a ton of grilled chicken. I got a Diet Coke, which wasn't going to kill me. And I had broccoli. And I got on my flight and I was cool. Like, you can do things like that. You can make a better choice. You can be the leader of the group. Or if everybody's going to eat shit, it doesn't matter. If they're not putting in the work you're putting in, if they're not waking up at 6 a.m., why are you going to eat like they eat? Do you want to look like they look, move like they move, live like they live? You probably don't. So it's okay to be an outlier. And eventually you'll set the tone. But you can always ask for substitutions. Unless... You're at a place like Benihana's. Sometimes there's places where you can't, uh, depending on where you go. And even for there, like you can always do grilled. I, I say Benihana's because here's the story. We went there for uh, one of our buddy's birthdays. And you know you always have like that friend, right, who just can't stick to the script. He just has to go off script, right? This is We have that buddy. His name is Ryan. We call him Mr. Late Night because uh, he never sleeps. And so Ryan chooses to come to this birthday party with us at Benihana's, which is super fun. All my friends, like my legit friends I grew up with, like straight criminals, were all just a bunch of, you know, it's amazing that none of that, well, that we're not all in prison right now at the same time. I'll put it that way. Uh, so we're there at Benihana's and I'm like, dude, you just got to stick to the script here. Uh, they're going to get confused. There's a certain rhythm. If you want the number three, get the number three. If you want the four, you want the four. You want one substitution, that's cool. Don't really get fancy. And he does this when we go places. And we're sitting there, and we're all ordering. He's the last one to order, and he's like, okay, cool. He's like, um, can I get my dessert first? And can I also get number two, but can I get like a like a beef with this, but not rice? I'm like, Ryan, just, and he just wouldn't listen to me. And sure enough, it messes up everybody's order in the group. So there is some places where you probably just have to stick to the script. But if you're in control of the restaurant, obviously just use Google um, as you go. And you guys know what I'm talking about. There's certain places where it's going to get either lost in translation or you're going to say something that they're they're not that accommodating. But 99% of places you go, they're going to be accommodating. And for the record, don't be the guy who orders his dessert first and tries to confuse these people and get them messed up. Don't do that. Number four. Uh, pay attention to the wording on the menus. I would say stick to dishes with words like grilled, broiled, baked, or steamed. And avoid the ones that are obviously fried, which is a huge one, breaded, smothered, or creamy. It's just common sense, you guys. Stick with things that are grilled, broiled, baked, or steamed, and not the fried, breaded, smothered, and creamy versions of things. You don't know what's going on there. And again, obviously, if you're trying to be good and diligent... This is the time to do that. If you're going to go out like we did last night and eat pizza, I didn't give a shit what was going on. Uh, what were the macros? I don't know. 10,000. Doesn't matter. I was drinking beer, eating pizza, living life. Like sometimes you have that. Now, like I said, I hadn't ate pizza since August. I think it's okay for me to go out and crush some pizza and have a few beers. Um, in terms of this, if I'm at a work event on a Tuesday, I'm probably going to go with like the grilled and steamed options. That's just me personally. And if you're a fan of salads... I would skip the croutons. If you must have like a dressing, always ask for it on the side and see what other options they have. I'm not telling you you got to be that weird person who brings their own dressing in their purse or their bag, which I've seen people do that. And I do think that is uh, a bit extreme. But who am I to judge them? If that's what helps keep them in check and makes them healthier and happier, then by all means, you know, be the dressing person and bring it with you. But get it on the side and ask what options they have and, and make the best choice you can in that scenario. Number five. If you're, you know, like a real road warrior and you got to do like gas station living, we tend to say, you know, don't eat a majority of your meals where you put gas in your car. But gas stations have become very progressive, especially in the last probably three years. And they tend to carry a lot of healthier options and a lot of the, you know, quote unquote, like fitness brands or, or healthier 
options for bars and things are infiltrating a lot of the gas stations. So a lot of times you can get, you know, a Power Crunch bar or a Quest bar instead of crushing like Reese's peanut butter cups and like a Twix. Now, obviously, do they taste as good as those things? No, but they're pretty close for what they are. And you're going to get quality protein and you're going to get like, you know, some decent fats and probably some so-so carbohydrates, depending on what kind of bar you go through. Also, most gas stations have beef jerky. Like I mentioned before, try to get the ones with the least amount of sugar. But again, if the rest of your day isn't complete trash and you have 15 grams of sugar from beef jerky, so be it. If you can bring your own, I always say protein candy because we work with those guys. Um, theirs is the most macro-friendly beef jerky for sure. But if you got to pick another one, just go with a lower sugar option. The more, you know, quote-unquote natural or real it can be, probably the better. Uh, again, almonds are a great choice when you guys are there. Uh, even if it's like a random piece of fruit, you know, a banana or an apple with some beef jerky is a much better choice than grabbing, you know, Doritos, Reese's peanut butter cups, and a Mountain Dew. Um, again, water, coffee is ideal, but when you're there, uh, Gatorade Zero, Powerade Zero, Vitamin Water Zero is cool. And like I say, if you're drinking gallons of water, if you get a Diet Coke and that helps you not make 14 bad choices, I think that's way the lesser of two evils. Again, we've talked about is, is diet soda safe? Yes, in moderation. If you're drinking 40 a day, no. But if your choice was I'm going to grab some Skittles and Starburst or I'm going to grab beef jerky and a Diet Coke, obviously if the Diet Coke is the sweet thing you need or like you know Diet 7-Up, whatever your thing is, don't care. If that saves you from making real sugary, poor, high caloric choices, I think you're better off. I don't really think there's an argument there. Anybody disagrees, shoot me a message. Uh, send me the studies. I'm, I'm happy to read them. Again, I've never seen them. Uh, and again, me personally, I say this all the time, when I'm eating really well and I go out and have a piece of salmon and Brussels sprouts and a Diet Coke, that Diet Coke helps me not eat all the other shit. And if you're going to tell me that 12 ounces of diet soda once in a while is what's going to kill me, then fuck it. I guess that's what it is, man. Like, what can we even do at this point, right? Like, there's like, everything is so unsafe. We're going to die if we do everything. And yet, I watch the same people who tell me that go out and smash 14 drinks and eat Taco Bell at 2 in the morning. So, you guys make the call there. Number six, you got to drink more water. Uh, especially when you travel. Uh, we tend to drink less. I would urge you to drink more. I know it sucks in the airplane because you got to get up and pee every two seconds. If you're lucky enough to sit first class, you're fine. If you're like most humans, you're sitting in the back in coach, having a seat next to the bathroom, also not super cool. In case the guy who went in there and just blew it up and you know doesn't courtesy flush, that also sucks. But do as much as you can. When you get off the plane, hydrate as much as humanly possible. It will help everything move a lot freer. And like I said, water, the teas, and all the zero calorie drinks, I think are good. But again, obviously water is always the base and the key. If you can drink at least 100 ounces per day or more than 100 ounces per day, that would be probably ideal. Number seven, coffee's your friend. If you don't drink coffee, uh, I'm sorry, that sucks. In all seriousness, uh, I don't know how I would survive without it. It's weird that I went so much of my life without it. And then I met my wife and uh, she turned me on to coffee. And man, she is just... It's a gift and a curse, uh, for sure, because I'm addicted to it. But it does help stave off, you know, hunger. Um, it does keep you alert. There, it's a vasodilator from the, the caffeine, so it can actually open that up and let the blood flow a little bit more. So pre-workout, it's actually ideal as well. And I find it just becomes part of my routine. I, I'm so addicted to things, and I was so addicted to my old lifestyle of like, you know, going out drinking so hard until you basically black out and, and pee your pants and headbutt the wall, or Chewing tobacco I was so addicted to, like where it became part of my everyday routine. I've basically replaced drinks with how I used to chew tobacco. And the more I've thought about this as I get older, um, just because like Facebook memories will pop things up, right? And uh, those are great, by the way. It's probably the best thing Facebook has ever done, other than like connecting humans and becoming one of the best platforms ever. Um, doing the memories, it, it, I think, is really cool. And sometimes they're good, sometimes they're embarrassing and bad. But I, I watching them pop up like some of my college friends in like a photo, and I remember like I had the biggest chew in my mouth, and uh, it's weird because I know it would make me sick at this point, and I know it's bad for me, but I still, you got kind of miss it, right? Like you kind of miss parts of your old life, even though it's it's bad for you. It, it just it's that's addiction, man. 
That's why I feel for people who get addicted to smoking and, and everything because I have the same personality trait. And it is a drug. It has a hold on you. And it's really fucking powerful. And uh, if you're not a, a real strong person, you're not willing to, to get the help and, and kick those habits, it can get a hold on you, man. And it will feel like you can do nothing else uh, without it. And so that was what I used to live with. And now I find, as I think about it deeper, and this came to me the other day, I'm like, I have replaced my old addiction of chewing tobacco um, as a kid with coffee, with Powerade Zeros, Gatorade Zeros, and like diet sodas. Now water is still always the hub for me, but those things have, you know, kind of filled the void and kept me going and kept me not doing that for this many years. And so I always say, you know, coffee can be a lifesaver. It has been for me. But in terms of, of making sure, A, you stay alert and awake, it, it does help, you know, kick you in the face, but it makes you less hungry over time. And a lot of times if I'm hydrated and drinking a coffee, I can go a ridiculous amount of time without eating food and I feel totally fine. So if you're a coffee person, I think that can help. I do cold brew uh, 99% of the time. If you're watching me on YouTube right now, I actually have a quad shot almond milk latte. But I'm very picky with the coffee and I can only do that uh, probably like on a weekend because uh, I go to work way before all the, the legit coffee shops open and the only place open on my way to work is Starbucks. And so... Starbucks cold brew. And for what it's worth, I do like Starbucks cold brew. Um, a lot of people will bag on Starbucks and their coffee, but uh, obviously they're super popular. They're all over the planet. But their cold brew is uh, is good. And it's uh, they're open at 4 a.m., so I can stop there. Next one. Number eight. Don't booze it up as much when you travel. Uh, and don't booze every time there's a work event or an obligation. You don't have to do that. People say all the time, oh, Jeremy, I have to booze. You don't understand. No, I understand. I used to be you. I used to have to go get lit and have 15 beers minimum and a couple shots like just to, quote, unquote, have a good time. And uh, obviously, you guys are older and not probably that extreme. At least I hope you're not. But the compound effect of you boozing over and over and over again is really killing your results and your progress. And I'm not saying give up alcohol. I had two beers last night. Two Peronis, by the way, if you're going to eat pizza, drink a Peroni, like be real with it. Um, and I never had a Peroni until I went to Italy, actually, and I do find it's probably my favorite beer next to uh, McGolden. If you guys are from the Midwest, uh, Michelob Golden Draft, uh, they do not have it here in Arizona. I'm, I'm glad they don't uh, because I would probably would want to drink it uh, more often and that would lead me down a very uh, dangerous rabbit hole. But McGolden... And uh, Peroni, probably my two favorite beers on the planet. And those are the only two I, I really drink, honestly, at this point. But uh, if I did it every time somebody invited me somewhere, I wouldn't be in this shape. I wouldn't feel this way. I wouldn't be this productive. And I don't I don't know how your process is and how you operate, but you can't booze at every event. You just can't. Um, the volume of what you drink yearly adds up to be really crazy. And I would argue the average person probably drinks a 1,000 drinks per year. I know people are listening and saying, oh my God, Jeremy, that seems crazy. I'm like, well, think about it for a second. If there's 52 weeks in a year, how many drinks do you have per week on average? Three, is it five? Is it two drinks? I don't know. So if you had three drinks per year times 52 weeks, it's 150 drinks. Most of you guys are drinking way more than three drinks per week. Some people drink every single day of the week. And again, I'm not judging you for that. But then you do holiday parties, happy hours, social events, vacations, where people tend to have like six, seven drinks in a day. Now that number starts to add up. And so I would argue most people probably are drinking north of a thousand drinks per year, which is really excessive. And for one year, I, I guess it's not the end of the world, but that for most of you will equate to probably like a thousand hours where the body's not burning fat. And I don't know many people who can punt a thousand year, excuse me, a thousand hours of fat burning and still be really lean. Now there's exceptions to the rule for sure. You got your, you know, genetically skinny friend who, <clears throat> excuse me, can eat and drink whatever the hell she wants and still probably, you know, maintain the same weight and, you know, tip your cap. Respect genetics is real. But again, body fat to body fat, probably not that much leaner than you over time because it does catch up to all of us. And over the course of, you know, 5, 10, 15 years, the drinking does add up, the volume of it, um, just like anything in life, just like how you invest your money over time and, you know, 20 years, uh, probably, you know, 15, 20% of your income, you'll become a millionaire. Uh, that's just how it works. It's the same thing with alcohol, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years of drinking 500 to 1,000 drinks per year adds up. 
it's really hard to burn that off. Not only just the excess calories, which if that's putting you in a surplus, that's probably the biggest problem, but two, the hours your body is not being efficient. And if we know that our body can't burn fat and do the things we want it to do, if alcohol's in the system, we have to at least cut it back to you know half of what we're drinking or a third of what we're drinking and really pick your spots. Number nine, I, I tend to say this to all of our nutrition coaching clients and all of our groups, never eat carbohydrates alone. Uh, I'm just not a fan of just you starting out your day eating, you know, cinnamon rolls uh, or, you know, pancakes or cereal. I just don't, A, uh, there's not a lot of usefulness to that. You're really just eating it for enjoyment, which sure, there's a time and place for that. But uh, the rest of your day tends to go to shit, especially if you started off eating a bunch of sugary uh, treats and sweets. And then you're probably hungry another hour or two afterwards and your, your calories are already super high. So anytime you eat a carbohydrate, eat a protein. Pair them together. If you're going to eat 30 grams of carbs, eat 30 grams of protein. I think that's a deal. Like a one-to-one ratio is probably good for you guys. If you're going to do something post-workout, and it's probably it could be different. You could go like a, a one-to-two ratio, depending on if you're looking to gain size or if fat loss is the goal. But if I was going to eat 30 grams of oatmeal, I would make sure I had 30 grams of protein, whether it be chicken, fish, eggs, steak, something like that. I think you're going to be better off in... I think your body is going to look and move and feel differently over time. And I think every time you have a feeding and you, if you took a picture of it, there should be some protein there. And I think it should be dominating the meal or be at least be a good portion of it. And so again, just don't eat, you know, a piece of fruit by itself. You can, there's nothing wrong with it. You want to have an apple as a snack here, there, it's cool. But I would say have an apple as a snack, but throw in some beef jerky as well. And that way you have 30 grams of protein and 30 grams of carbohydrates. I think in terms of being satisfied and being fuller longer, you're going to be better off. That would be my advice. And then number 10, I don't think the meal timing matters for you guys very much unless you're a person who gets so hangry and they lose control once you know they haven't had food for you know two, three, four, five hours. I don't think you have to be super concerned with like the pre-workout and post-workout window, although you can, you know, if you really want to get that diligent, you know, you could, you know, kind of, you know, front load or, or back load the carbohydrates pre and post workout and eat your carbs around the workouts, depending on how long they were. I would say post workout being the ideal time pre workout uh, if you need them for energy. But if you could get through the workout without them, just forget it, train, and then, you know, kind of back load the carbohydrates after your workout. You're probably going to process them better. Um, but the rest of it, if you want to eat two, three, four, five times a day, it doesn't matter. This is where the, the prepping and the planning comes into play. Just kind of prepare and have a general idea. I'm going to eat two meals tomorrow because I'm traveling and doing XYZ, or I'm going to eat three meals tomorrow. One's at home. I'll do one when I land. And then we have the company dinner at night, just being mindful of what's going on the next day. If you're going to, people do this again, not judging. We have to work. We have to make money. We live in an economical society, but if you can plan what you're going to do the day before with your food, you're going to be way more successful over time. You do this for work. You have like, okay, here's my work schedule for tomorrow. I have these meetings. I got to do this presentation. I have to send these emails. I have to go to this, whatever. You kind of know what your workday is going to be before you get there. And if you're a systematic job, it's probably always, the it's like Groundhog Day. You're doing the same shit over and over and over again. If you're somebody who has variance in their schedule, sometimes you meet with people, sometimes you do calls, and sometimes you, uh, you know, maybe just have like uh, an intake day where you're doing a lot of, uh, you know, kind of, you know, assistant work, like data entry shit you know that's coming up, but yet you don't do that with your food. You care about your job, which you should, but I don't know if you should care about your job more than the food you put in your body. In fact, I don't know if anybody can message me and make an argument and say, well, Jeremy, my job is way more important than the food I eat. If you're fucking dead or you feel like shit, that's more important than your job. I get you need the job to make money to buy food and all these things, but if you're going to spend all this time planning your work and your job and prepping it, you could take like one tenth of the time and kind of map out and have an idea of what you're going to eat from the day before. That's where having a goal accountability and a coach does also come into play. But you have to take the onus on yourself to kind of know what the day is going to look like. And even if it doesn't go perfect, you had some kind of plan as you went into it. So you have to care about this stuff, you guys, as much as everything else in your life. And that's where people falter is they think it's just supposed to be easy. Well, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. It's bullshit. It doesn't happen. People say it all the time. It's just not realistic. If you're a person in a position of like of, of power and money and you have an assistant, tell your assistant to get you all the shit and have it ready for you. 
but you still have to do the work up front or get a coach like me and say, okay, let's find a game plan. It's two meals, three meals, four meals. Boom, let's do this. And this is about what we should have in each meal. But then you still have to be in control because you are driving the car. You have to take ownership of your eating and at least understand, hey, here's what's going to work for me and my personality type and my lifestyle and my schedule and do it on a you know week-to-week basis or a day-to-day basis. Just like you guys budget money, you budget your macros. Just like you plan for spending, you plan for the meals you're going to eat. You literally treat your eating and nutrition and the water you drink and the supplements you take like every other area of your life. Don't get so fucking lazy with it. Like, yeah, you can show up here and we can get the workouts for you and it's brainless. That's why we exist. And we can send you things to do on the road. So when you're in the hotel, you can follow along with us and you can follow all our outlines, but you still have to drive here and show up and do the workouts. You still have to walk your ass down to the hotel gym and do the workouts. You still have to have an idea of how many meals you need to eat and where you're going to eat them and what they look like. I'm not saying plan it down to a T, just a broad, basic picture. I'm going to eat two times today. And my meals are probably going to be this for meal one. And then I have some flexibility for meal two or whatever the example is. But you have to take ownership for it and you have to just try. Like I say it all the time with, I watch a lot of NBA basketball when I can, not nearly as much as I used to, which is sad because again, I work just like you guys. Um, and we, the Timberwolves recently just traded. We got uh, D'Angelo Russell and we traded away Andrew Wiggins. And no disrespect to Wiggins, but I feel like when you watch him, like some games he didn't try. Like he just he didn't like he didn't try. He was getting paid like what does he make a game two hundred eighty thousand dollars a game, which is ridiculous. It's just depressing to, to say that. So ridiculous. At least we don't have to pay him anymore. Hopefully, um, but he's playing now for the Warriors. And I felt like when I watched him, he didn't try some games. Like he just kind of like put his shoes on. He kind of just <clears throat> excuse me, lolly gagging around, just kind of bullshitting. And it's like, now you got D'Angelo Russell. And I'm like, I'm happy with the trade. I was telling my buddy the other day, I'm like, at least he tries. Like, I feel like he wants to play. Like, he's giving his best effort. And that's how I look at people when they plan their food and they prep and they do things. It's the ones that try. The ones that are giving effort, that are trying to get different things going, seeing what works for their lifestyle. The ones who try tend to do better than the ones who just think like, oh, it's just going to naturally happen for me. It doesn't. This is all things in life. We, for some reason, treat our eating so low on the the totem pole of life and what's important to us. Yet we say our health is important. We say how we look and move and feel is important. Yet we spend so little time prepping and planning our food. And no disrespect to anybody, if you've said this to me before, I'm not trying to call you out. People say, well, Jeremy, I just can't track my food. I just, I, I just won't do it. I don't have the time to do it. I'm like, oh. If you know some other easier options, I'm happy to work with you and find that out. But if you're telling me you can't take 15 to 20 minutes each day to do a little research on the meals you're going to eat and maybe what the macros are, you just don't give a fuck about it. You just don't. Um, If you care about something, you should be willing to invest 20 minutes into the prepping and the planning of it per day if it matters to you. I'm as busy as anybody. Now, I don't have kids, so anybody who has kids, obviously you have that responsibility. But there's nobody listening to this that works more hours than me. Not one of you, because I do not have kids. And my wife is very understanding of my process, and she is her own person, and she has her own career and wants to do her own things. So I spend a ridiculous amount of time right now in this season of my business and my life doing this shit. And with that said, I have 20 minutes to watch TV every day. So if you have 20 minutes to watch TV every day, you have 20 minutes to plan, prep, and kind of map out what your food and eating should look like when you're at work, when you're at home, and when you travel. Take that for what it's worth. It's hard truth. I know it sucks to hear that, but sometimes it helps when people call you on your shit. I know when my wife does it for me, um, or if other people do as well, um, I appreciate it. Maybe not at first, uh, but uh, I for surely do down the line. And then real quick, I'm just going to run down some of these myths on eating here really fast, uh, just so we are crystal clear here when you guys are kind of looking at stuff. And this is kind of a crash course. And this is, again, one of the speeches I do. Um, I'll actually be doing this presentation in a couple of weeks to a group. And so you guys are getting uh, kind of the quick Cliff Notes version of this. Uh, Number one, uh, fats don't make you fat. It doesn't work that way. Um, Overeating makes you fat. Um, 
doesn't matter if it's fats, carbohydrates, or proteins. If you ate way too much protein, that put you in a calorie surplus, protein can make you fat. Yes, this is the truth. If you eat too many fats overall, it can make you fat. If you eat too many carbohydrates overall, it can make you fat. But fat by itself doesn't make you fat. Carbohydrates don't make you fat, for that matter. If you're if you are in a deficit, this is, it's so simple. I don't know how we, we try to do these bullshit things in, in the profession and, and people try to sell you guys and all this horse shit. If you're in a calorie deficit, so meaning like your body is burning 2,000 calories a day and you're eating 1,800 calories a day, even if there were all carbohydrates, you would get smaller. Now, the body composition is going to be different because... You're not getting the essential proteins and fats and you can't build as much muscle. But if you're eating 1,800 calories a day, but you're burning 2,000, I don't care if it's a ton of fats, a ton of carbs and a little protein, you will get smaller over time. You may not look and move and feel the way that you want, but you're in a energy deficit. If you're in a surplus, meaning that you burn 2,000 calories a day and you eat 2,200 calories a day, but you're doing quote unquote keto and it's all proteins and all fats, you're going to gain weight. Because there is an energy balance there. There is a surplus of calories that the body is not burning. I hope that makes sense. If you have 10 bricks and I take away 8 bricks, you still got 2 bricks. And if I did that every day, you'd always have more bricks. If you had like 10 bricks and I took away all 10 bricks, you wouldn't have any bricks. Does this make sense? Like There is a a line here. Surplus and deficit. Too many calories, too little calories. When we gain weight, gains, quote unquote, and fat loss, getting leaner, shredded, ripped, toned, whatever word you want to use. So again, fat by itself doesn't make it fat. Nothing by itself makes you fat. Eating in a calorie surplus and having this, you know, excess energy balance, that makes us fat over time. Number two, breakfast is not the most important meal of the day. If you like breakfast, eat it. It's great. If you enjoy it, I think it's cool. Uh, is it necessary? No. Is it the most important meal of the day? No. Do you have to eat it? No. Have I ate it? Not in 12 years. Um, even when we go to Europe and they have all the amazing croissants and pastries, I work up before and I eat it as late as humanly possible, typically closer to noon. Um, but that's only if we're like on vacation in Barcelona and we're at the W and the food is amazing. But short of that, I never eat before 12. Shit, most of the time I don't even eat before 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's 3.51 right now. I haven't ate a bite of food and I'm okay. If you guys think I look okay, move okay, and, you know, I would be kind of, you know, the healthy lifestyle you want to live, I think you can get by without eating breakfast. But if you like it, it's fine. But the average American breakfast is horse shit. I would argue most people would be better off eating nothing than the shit they're putting in their mouth. Number three, you do not have to eat four to six small meals per day. Eating every two hours does not boost your metabolism. I don't think it has any benefit to you guys. I eat once or twice a day. That works for me. Most of you would probably be fine in eating three square meals per day. Some of you two meals, some of you four meals, some of you guys can snack, some of you can't. I'm an overeater. I cannot snack. So say, plan and prep what works for you so you're not so hangry, tired, and pissed off. You have energy, but not so much food that you're gaining weight and not reaching your goals. Next one. Eating after 6 p.m. makes you fat. This is bullshit. You can eat at midnight if you want to. Again, based on how you feel and what your goals are and when you need the food and you want to eat the food. Nothing happens magically after 6 o'clock at night. I don't know where that came from. If you eat carbohydrates at midnight or at noon, they're still carbohydrates. If you eat a piece of chicken at 6.45 p.m. or 5.45 p.m., it affects the body all the same. I don't really see the major difference here for you guys. Now, if, you are, if you're a genetic outlier and you feel like crap when you eat late, then you probably shouldn't. But I eat my biggest meal at the end of the day always, and I feel my best doing that. It's not like, you know, the food turns into something different and, and your body turns into like, what was it like, the movie Gremlins? Like you couldn't feed the gremlins. Was it like some kind of food or water? Or if you fed the gremlins past midnight, something crazy happened. Um, That doesn't happen in the real world with food. That's movie magic. Uh, You can eat as late as you choose to. As long as you feel good and uh, it fits your macros and it's in line with your goals. Um, Feel free to have whatever eating window you choose. Number five, uh, dietary supplements are are not miracle pills uh, by any means. They're 
supplements to what you're currently doing. Real food is always going to be the key in the base, and it should be. And then supplement around what you can't cover the gaps in, like an athletic greens, which I take every single day because I cannot eat six servings of vegetables. It's just the game. On top of that, if you need to take like a vitamin D3, which I take because I've been deficient, I believe, twice now in the past 10 years. If you want to take something like a krill oil, turmeric, a biotint, DHEA, whatever you're into, it's fine. But I would spend a majority of your time, effort, energy, and money on eating whole nutrient-dense foods and then filling the gaps around there. Um, that's my two cents with supplements. They're important for sure, and they make up, you know, depending on who you are, 5 to 10% difference in your physique if I'm being generous. But in terms of health, you know, micronutrient-wise, I think is probably the bigger key. I would spend my money on those supplements before I went and got into the pre-workouts and that kind of shit. Coffee, I think, is the key and the king, but there are pre-workouts that people do like. I'm a fan of creatine, too, and a bunch of other things. Again, we have a free supplement guide. I'm happy to send it to any of you listening. Um, ask me for it. It'll be on the way. Next one. You cannot out-train your shitty diet. Uh, it's impossible. For a little bit, sure. Uh, when we film like these crazy full follow-along like series like I've done for Men's Health before, I could eat five giant cookies per night, probably in excess of like 300 grams of sugar and 300 carbohydrates. I wake up every single day and I'd be completely shredded. Now, I was doing three to four of the hardest Bijigadur metabolic conditioning workouts ever created. Um, and that's why I could do it. Now, I felt like a bag of shit, not because of the food, but because my ass, <laughs> my glutes and quads were so sore because you did so many split squats, but only for a short amount of time. Um, my body couldn't take the beating of the workout, so I physically couldn't do it. And again, people say, well, Michael Phelps did this. You're not Michael Phelps. You're not going to sit in a pool for seven hours a day, and you're not him. So anything he did has nothing to do with anything you're going to do. We are all, you know, I guess like biologically, we're all so different nutrition-wise. That's why it's so tough to, you know, go by what somebody else does. We have to go by what works for us. And so most of you um, would be better off if you're like chronic exercisers, exercising less, Spending more time on the food choices, you'd probably look, move, and feel better over time uh, than you do right now. So again, you cannot out-train a bad diet um, only in the short term, and eventually your body will break down and uh, it'll catch up with you for sure. Uh, next one, egg yolks uh, are not bad uh, for you guys. I don't know if you have some pre-existing heart conditions and your uh, cardiologist told you something different. I'm not going to step in there. They're a medical professional. You follow their advice. I'm just a dude in a warehouse running his mouth. But all the like fat-soluble vitamins uh, and all the nutrients are in the egg yolks, not the whites. The whites are just protein. If you have certain macro restrictions or something, then that's fine. But most of you out there, you can eat you know these pasteurized like omega-3 fortified badass eggs. I think probably one of the healthiest things you guys can eat in all reality. Um and then short of that, you know, something works for everybody. Just keep that in mind. Whether you guys do paleo, keto, gluten-free, uh, Whole30, whatever you're into, um, something works for everyone. I'm not going to vilify anything. If you want to be vegan, be vegan. If you want to go carnivore, go carnivore. If you want to do intermittent fasting, awesome. If you want to eat six meals a day, go crazy. If it works for you and you feel good and you like how you look and you move, I'm all for it. I, I literally believe Almost something works for everything. There's so many dieting protocols out there right now, and there's so many people claiming this saved their life and this helped them. Who am I to judge and argue that if you feel good inside of your own skin and body? That's why I always urge do what works for you. You can beg, borrow, and steal some of people's best practices. Um, I like a lot of the stuff the carnivore people do. They, they make a lot of good points. I also like to eat green vegetables. So there's some stuff from there. I come from the fasting world. I think it's great. I think there's a lot of good stuff that the paleo people say and a lot of the good stuff that the keto people say. But I'm not going to be married to just one religion. I like to kind of spread them out. Like I grew up in the Catholic church. That's how I came up. But if, you, if I'm being completely real here with you guys, I think Lutherans do a lot of cool shit. I think Jewish people do a lot of cool shit. I think, honestly, Nietzsche and Buddhism, which if I was really going to pick my own religion from day one, there's a lot of good stuff like the Buddhists do. Uh, when you really dig down and you listen to it, like the, there's so many truths and principles I believe in from that. But with that said, I do think, you know, the Catholic religion has a lot of stuff they can offer too. Now, they all have their faults. They all have their issues. They all have things that I probably don't want to follow, you know, in 2020 based on how I live my life and how I think and speak and talk and what I do. Um, I look at that like food being the same thing. And people are that territorial with the food, especially if you're in the fitness world like we are. If you're paleo, you're paleo. If you're keto, you're keto. Carbs are shit. 
If you're vegan, meat is the devil. If you're, uh, you know, carnivore, veggies are shit because you can't oxalate, you can't process it, and it'll crush your gains. Everybody is so married to one modality. And I'm not here to judge religion or nutrition or anything, but I like to take pieces from each and apply them to my life and make it what works for me. And I do that with basically everything. I do that with fitness. I do that with religion. I do that with finance. I do that with nutrition. I take the things that I think are the smartest and the best and I build them up. And that's become my Jeremy Scott Fitness kind of you know lifestyle-based training, coaching, and what we do here. Uh, I think having an open mind is ideal when it comes to a lot of this stuff and not just taking what you know some doctor says or what just one person says as the absolute truth. I would urge you guys to have multiple voices, probably ones you trust that are educated and that have your best interest at heart, and then making the best call from there, making the best educated guess based on your research uh, and who you talk to and and who you believe uh, is going to help you out. And then obviously just trial and error and seeing what works for you. And that's kind of the tough part about nutrition because it's it's a lot, man. It's complicated and there's so much information out there and uh, it's hard to kind of navigate through the shit. And so hopefully I helped give you at least some basic common sense tips to, to take with you as you head down the road to your next business event and meeting and dinner and happy hour and just, you know, see what you can do from there. So anything else you guys want to hear on the podcast, shoot me a message, hit me up. I'm happy to record it. I'm going to see, I haven't talked to my wife yet today. I'm going to go home and see if maybe we can do like a Valentine's Day podcast, something like that. So if you guys have questions regarding our like relationship and how we do things and stuff like that. Um, again, we don't have it all figured out. We're just two kids, uh, you know, who love each other, trying to figure out this shit as we go. And uh, some days are great. And some days I'm sure she wants to punch me right in my face. And that's uh, marriage uh, in a nutshell. But we'll share uh, some of the stuff of how we live life and go through things if uh, if she's down with it. Maybe we'll do it Wednesday, hopefully, and get to you guys by uh, by Valentine's Day. And uh, with that said, if you're on iTunes right now, stop. Don't be a lazy ass. Open up the podcast app on your iPhone. It's going to take you two seconds. Scroll all the way down. Click that five star and then just type in a comment. Jeremy, you rock. Thanks, bro. Something like that works. Um, and if obviously if you're on your MacBook or you got an iPad, click the iTunes icon, hit ratings and reviews, five star it, comment it. I truly would appreciate it. And the biggest thing you guys can do is share this with your friends and family and tell them it's the greatest podcast ever. Um, it helps us out more than you know, and I sincerely do appreciate you listening. It, it does mean a lot. And uh, hopefully I, I help you guys as much as you help me with the feedback and everything that you say. So um, have an amazing rest of your Sunday. And if you're, okay, reminder, if you guys do not subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, just type in Jeremy Scott Fitness on Google, YouTube, and uh, subscribe. 100% free. We have over a 1,000 videos. We're filming all the podcasts now on there as well as everything we share on Instagram. And a lot of stuff we do from our private coaching programs we throw in there and requests and videos we do with some of our doctors and other resources here to just give you guys as much free awesome shit as possible. And so there's way more of you guys listening to the podcast than are subscribed to the YouTube page. Again, it's just Jeremy Scott Fitness YouTube. Basic subscribe, free. It gives you the notifications there, and you can watch and uh, listen along. So until next time, eat well, train hard, be nice to people, and please keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.